Um, Father, just open our ears this morning. Open our hearts to receive. I pray we would position ourselves to hear. You said to Israel, Oh, hear. Oh, hear what the Lord is about to say. And I pray that we would be able to hear the words of the Spirit, hear the voice of the Spirit, and receive today from you a measure, a good, wholesome measure of living truth which would change us. It would birth life in us. It would bring a reality of you in us, Lord, that would set us apart and set us on another direction or just continue to give life to the one we're currently on. But Lord, we ask, because that's all we can do, and we seek and we knock. We ask this in Jesus' name. Just probably in the last two or three weeks, these words keep going around in my head. We have left everything to follow you. We have left everything to follow you. And we can hear those words and think, man, does does that mean I have to sell everything and just follow? Do I have to let go of of every material thing I have and, and then follow? Not necessarily. Because afterward, he says, everyone that has left everything to follow me will receive more a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. So what's he really trying to say when he says that? What what is God really trying to communicate? What is the Spirit trying to get through to us from that passage? Because I've heard of people that have sold everything and gone to the other side of the world and things haven't worked out. Maybe because it wasn't fully maybe what the Spirit was saying or a misinterpretation or bad teaching. I don't know. But ultimately I believe this is what he's trying to say. It's about your heart and your mind posture. If I ask for everything, would you give it? Predominantly my experience is this. God asks you that question to test and then he gives back. He said to Abraham, are you prepared to give me the boy? Are you prepared to give everything to me? Because I'm looking for something. I'm looking for a heart position. I'm looking for a heart posture in my people. As we know, Abraham said, yes, he said, great, now have the boy back. I've left, we've left everything to follow you. You know, that's the call. That's the call of God's people. And what I want to share this morning is if we're truly going to come into the fullness of God inside of us, then we really have to settle this and leave everything. If we truly, truly want to be set apart unto Him, if we truly want to experience the fullness of life as a follower of Christ, we have to find the position the place of Paul where he said, whether I have plenty or whether I have little, I have found peace and contentment and I follow. That is the ultimate position in Christ. 
The ultimate freedom position, and it's found in the Spirit. It's not found in the flesh. It's found in the Spirit. The Spirit in you. Why? Because the Father has revealed truth in you to such a measure that you're that intimate. The Christ in you is formed where you're able to walk that out. And able to relinquish and to hand over at the time if He asks. He may never ask. Or he may. And so, once again, my hope is that with what we're hearing, oh, hear, oh Israel, hear and understand what the Lord says. And that, that we would be moving towards another reality because what is being declared is another reality. What is being spoken is a reality in Him. It's a goal in Him. It's a future perspective in Him, but that is to be now. And there is an intentionality to it of moving towards, not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Of asking questions. Asking, seeking, knocking. So through the asking and the seeking and the knocking, the Father sees a hungry heart. The Father sees a heart that says, oh, I'm prepared to lose everything to find everything. I'm prepared to let go of everything to find everything. And he starts to speak and he starts to reveal and he starts to reveal the Son. Whenever you hear the Son, hear truth. Whenever you hear truth, hear the Son. It's the same thing. See, sometimes we can separate them out. We hear Jesus and we hear the Word and we think they're different things. Jesus was the living Word manifested in the flesh. So he then puts himself into a book and says, there you go, read about me. But see, we separate it all out. So whenever you hear love, hear God. Because God is love. Whenever you hear the Spirit, hear Jesus. Because Jesus and God are in the Spirit. So to be full of the Spirit means to be full of God. Ephesians 3.20, that the church would come into the fullness of God. Well, who are the church? The glory in the church. Is that in us or is it in a building? I believe it could be both. I honestly believe that we could experience the glory, the manifest presence of God in a meeting. Why? Because the glory in us is so full that when we come, we come so hungry, so on fire for Him that He goes, I'm going to turn up right there. And the weight of His Shekinah glory would just come and rest in a meeting. None of us would be standing, by the way. We'd probably be all on the floor just out of it. Because the weight would be so great and God turns up in the flesh right beside you and you experience that, but ultimately that is in you. That the glory of God would be in the church. Jesus says, I give you my glory. I give you my peace. What's He saying? I'm giving you myself. Why? So my people are fully able to demonstrate my life through them on the earth for all to see that the glory of God would fill the earth because He is manifesting Himself through the very vehicle that He created for that very purpose. So if we're going to be... You know we were called and chosen for this. How many people know that? Do you realize you were called and chosen for this purpose? 
that you were not an accident, you weren't random, that he knew you, and I said this last week, before you ever knew you and before your parents ever knew you, before you were even thought about, he knew and called you and placed you and I in a specific time in history for a specific purpose. Your life matters. Your life really, really, really matters. And it says this in either Psalms or Proverbs, I can't form it, it says, Lord, teach me to number my days so a heart of wisdom can be produced through me. Teach me to realize that my life isn't going to go on forever and that there is actually a purpose for my life beyond me. It's called the will of God. And it's the Father's will. It's not my will, it's the Father's will. See, so often we ask, God, what is the will for my life? It's the wrong question. Jesus never asked it. He said, Father, I'm here to do your will. And it says that if our minds are being renewed through the Spirit of God, we won't know it, we'll be proving it. Why? Because we know it. So we keep asking questions that we're never going to get answers to. And he says, just get your mind renewed. How? Through my living Scripture. And then the questions that you ask will be answered and guess what? You'll move forward into them and you'll prove. So you and I have been called and chosen for this particular time in history to appropriate and live out everything that he's called us for in that time. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. So what are we doing, guys, with our mark? What is our mark going to look like between 1969 and 2015? I don't know. Maybe next week. Maybe God says, Greg, your time's up. Bungee, son. Boom! Yeah. Up I go. That's it. That's amazing to think, isn't it? So how, how am I to demonstrate? How, how, because I can't. So how, how is this going to happen through me? Greg, you're, you're speaking something that's like way out there, man. It's like so far beyond. And he says, all things are possible for those who believe. Not just believe in, who believe. All things are possible to those Really, who have faith. And faith is the ability to see in the Spirit. Faith isn't just, oh yeah, I believe. You know, it's easier to believe that he can raise people from the dead than it is to believe that you and I could live his life, he could live his life through us on the earth. Would you agree with that? Why? Because you know your own limitations. You know what you did last week, what you did last night, and you think, oh, that disqualifies you. You know it doesn't. This is how phenomenal it is. None of We don't disqualify ourselves. There's nothing in us that can disqualify ourselves. We think it does. He says, well, you just get a revelation of my grace so you can move past the struggle that I've already bought and paid for. You keep beating yourself up for things that I've died for. Why do you do that? You see, there is a position that you and I are to demonstrate as his people. The Bible says that we are to be supporting truth on the earth. It says the manifold wisdom of God is to come through the church. That a heavenly realm would see it. That says the sons, the creation waits for the sons of God to be revealed. 
and each person's measure in their time frame allotted. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're waiting. Naomi, Ruth, also Ruth, they're all waiting. The people of Hebrews, they're waiting. They were faithful in their slot. The context is different. They had to deal with different things. But the same history that's out being outplayed, and we have been given this slot, and they cheer us on, waiting for us to come into so they receive all of theirs. See, there's a reason why they're cheering us on. They're waiting for their garments. And until the church today and in the future come in, they don't receive. Why do you think they're cheering us on? Because they realize we're part of the same team. What do you mean? Abraham? Uh Uh-huh. Who's of the lineage of Abraham? Isaac. Jacob. Of the spirit, not of the flesh. It doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white, pink, yellow. It doesn't matter whether you're Asian, South African, English, whatever. Of the spirit. So how are you and I going to live our life of righteousness out? Number one, I'm just going to read out it again. The Father reveals truth in us. Number two, that we allow the power of the Spirit, which is fully available, to mightily work within us. And that the cross would go to work on our thinking that isn't aligned to His. So a mind that says, I'm not worthy enough, is a mind that's not of His. Because He says, you are worthy enough. You're chosen and set apart. I specifically have chosen you. So he chooses us. We think we choose him, but he actually chooses us. And he draws us to ourselves and activates the choice. But he chose us. Those two things, continuously operating in us, brings us into a true knowledge of God that unlocks the rivers of living water that Jesus talks about in John 4, which means we live our lives from an overflowing measure of the Spirit within us. I'm going to read you that again. These two realities, having the Father continuously, remember the Father is the Spirit, the Spirit is to lead us into all truth. So having the Father, the Spirit, continuously revealing the truth through the Spirit in us and having His power of the Spirit, Paul said, mightily working in the inner man, will do this. It'll bring us into a true knowledge of God. And a true knowledge of God unlocks rivers of living water that Jesus talks about in John 4, which means we live our lives from an overflowing measure of the Spirit within us. Anyone want to live with an overflowing measure? Overflowing means literally it's flowing. If I was to open this and pour this now, on the top of my head, I'm tempted to. <laughs> you, oh, that's the competitive spirit. I felt that rising up right there. You dare me to. See, literally what would happen, it would run off me, wouldn't it? Why? Because of the filling up. There's not enough capacity. It's overflow. And I've been declaring this, and I only declare it as a living testimony. I'm in an overflowing measure today. 
I feel guilty sharing it with people. I shouldn't do, but I, I, I somehow, oh, how are you? You know, everyone says, oh, great, good. And I don't know where they are or not, but I feel like going, man, I'm in this position with him that's explosive. It's like he just keeps speaking consistently. doesn't matter what it is. Last Friday morning, boom, in the shower. I'm trying to have a shower at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm about to go to my discipleship group, and it's dark, and I don't want to wake up, and he starts speaking. I'm like, mate, where's my phone? Are these things waterproof? I need to start writing. He's just like, I can see it. Scripture, 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 scripture. And I am started writing this week, and I'm up to eight pages already. I've got four things on the go that he's speaking to me about that are massive. Now, I only say that not to show off or try and go, I'm trying to give living testimony of a reality that's available to all people, all of us. Because he's wanting to speak right now. He's wanting to speak. He wants to speak all the time. He longs just to, for communion with us. He longs. He says, do you want to know this? Do you want to know that? Do you want to know more of me in you? which would bring you into this rivers? See, what is accomplished through the Father continuous revealing Himself in us and His power operating through us is an ability to demonstrate a life of righteousness. Through that process, remember we don't do any of this work, but through the process we submit to it we basically give him our yes and amen. That's why obedience unlocks it all. That's why when Peter had the fish, obedience to him unlocked 153 fish being caught, even though when they'd been out all night, there was none. You see, faith and obedience go hand in hand. Faith is the ability to see. When you can't see what is being spoken, obedience needs to kick in. Raw obedience, it's like this. I can't see. Boom! Sight! Raw obedience. That's the best way I can put it. It's raw. It's like sometimes there's nothing in you that wants to obey. But he says, will you? We've been out all night. I've worked the whole night in what I know to do. My skill set. My ability for fishing for years. I'm the fisherman of fishermen. I don't know who you are, but I'm the fisherman. No, he actually says, because you say so. Because you say so. I will. And what happens? The supernatural realm gets unlocked right before his eyes. It's amazing. See, obedience will bring you into a supernatural position. In you, through you, around you. But we struggle. I struggle. Why? Because there's a way that I think is right. But the Bible says it only leads to death. I lived this for nine years from the age of 21. You've heard this. I'm right. I can cope. I'll be okay. It's like Getting to the end of oneself is the greatest position anyone can get to. The end of you. Should be a movie. <laughs> well, invited to your own funeral. Who wants to come? <laughs> you see, so this posture of this revelation, it brings you, it propels you into a position that then you're capable and able 
not you, him in you, to find yourself because it's your body to demonstrate something. 1 Peter 2, come with me, 1 Peter 2, 21 to 24. 1 Peter 2. One Peter two twenty one to twenty four. Christ is our example. Everyone say Christ is our example. Say this: Christ is my example. Okay, here we go. Verse twenty. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Can we stop right there? Oh, I don't like that one. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. See, if we want to come into everything, then you've got to let go of everything. You can't have it both ways. We want to. I do. I want the life, but I don't want to have to go through what I've got to go through to get the life. Anyone else? Give me the quick version. Give me the one, two, three step version so I can have it like that. And he goes, look, sometimes, depending on what it is, I do a steadfast, I do a, I do a sudden work. But most of the time, it's going to be a steadfast work. Most of the time, I want to mature you so I'm going to allow you to go through something. Otherwise, if I just zap you all the time, you stay as a child. You never grow up. You may be 50, but really you're about two months old in the spirit. So put it in the physical. If I do everything for my children, they get to the age of 20 and they just don't know how to function because mum and dad have looked after them their whole life. They keep coming home. They never leave home. They keep raiding the pantry. They keep asking for money. They keep, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me, mom? And you go say, no. Grow up, stand on your own two feet and start living as an adult. See ya. The bank resource just ran out today. Through that, everyone gets set free, by the way. He says, I've demonstrated something for you to demonstrate. For you to follow in my steps. Paul said, I want to have fellowship with your suffering if I'm going to come into everything you have for me. Who committed no sin, so he's talking about Jesus, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. So, so often we stop there. We go, awesome. You bore my sins on the cross. That's fantastic. Here's this word again. So that. This has been the common word if you're new with us today that's been in these. So that. For a purpose. Not that I would just accept that. No, yes, but for a purpose. Here he tells you what the purpose is. So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For you were healed. For, sorry, for by his wounds you were healed. We have been 
save, heals. He's taken our affliction on Himself so that you and I are able to live a life of righteousness out. We are to live from one reality. He's taken us from one reality and planted us in another. See, while you're over this side, you can't live it out. But So He has to come and He rescues us. He bores all our sins on the cross and He says, I'm going to plant you in the new garden called the kingdom of God. And now I'm looking for you to demonstrate a life of righteousness. Oh, by the way, it'll cost you everything. Forgot to add that bit. And they'll revile you, but you know what? You don't revile back. And as you stand and you live out this righteousness and be prepared to be misunderstood, be prepared to be misrepresented, be prepared to be lied about, be prepared to be gossiped about, be prepared to be stabbed in the back, be prepared to have people walk away from you, be prepared to have people stay with you and lie about you right to your face. Have people prepared to say all these things and love on them. And pray for them. And give your other side of the cheek for them to slap that. And they just nicked your coat, so give your other cool coat. See ya. I'm going to the Father. Good luck with that. You ever had someone try and rip apart your character? And then God say, love them. I have. You ever people hear things about you that other people are saying and he says, don't defend that. Don't speak into that. Let me. You button your mouth, son, and just walk. See, there is a reality in him, in us, that we, we are fully able to demonstrate this. It's so not of the planet, is it? It is not of ourself. And some of you might be going, that is impossible. Yes, it is if you're trying to do that. But when we surrender and have a revelation of Christ within us and a continuous revelation of Christ in us, literally God pouring himself into you, that's how Jesus was able to do it. And the power that is available in the Spirit of God, not in the world, it's not man-made power, it's not man-made electricity, it is power, and through the seeking and the knocking and the asking and the pursuit of him, he sees that heart, it's an emptied vessel, it's a humble vessel. Blessed are the what? Poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. It actually says humility comes before honor. Humility must be there, it must be a position to receive it. So there must have been a work done at some point to break down the old, the hardened heart, the mindset that says, I'm okay, I'm in control, I give it up, I give my life. And he says, thank you, you've arrived at the end that I needed you to do, now I'm going to pour it out. You find yourself fully capable of having people dog you, lie about you, stab you in the back, and then love and pray and have that do a greater work in you. See, no one has voided the process. This is what I've been learning. No one. You can't sit there and go, oh, them. He goes, son, what about you? 
And you know what he's been talking to me about in the last five years? He said, that was you to me. You've behaved like that to me. He said, what was my response to you? Did I run away and leave you? No. Have I continued to pour out my love upon you? Yes. If you're in me, it's fully possible to do the same thing. That's what the Scripture teaches. That's the truth. And all things are possible to those who believe. A life of righteousness. What is a life of righteousness and how do I live by it? A life of righteousness is the literal demonstration of Christ's life operating in and through us. How do I live like this, Greg? By the Father continuously filling us with his living truth, Christ himself, and his power working mightily in us. If these two core pillars are operating in us, we will innately demonstrate a life of righteousness. This is why our purpose is knowing him. A revealed position of him contains power, life, himself, and that coming in to a heart, a vessel that is open, humble and hungry, will fill us with a reality that literally when we are pressed, it is his life that comes forth. That's why it says in Hebrews, make sure you do not come short of the grace of God so no root of bitterness can get in you, causing many to be defiled. It's fully possible, guys, to live a proactive life where you are so full of him in you that you actually just, when things come, literally like this is the picture, don't laugh, he showed me Robocop. So I saw this picture of Robocop. Everyone know who Robocop is? The bad movie in the 80s or 90s. They're trying to keep it going. He showed me this picture of Robocop Christians. Okay, Christ in. Nothing to do with us, Christ in. You know, we talk about the armor of God. The armor of God is Christ in us. It's not something that you, you know, go through. It's the Christ in you. And what I saw was Robocop walking and the arrow comes and the arrow just hits, snaps and falls to the ground. You don't have, you don't, the processes take every thought captive, but it's fully possible to get to a position in him where you don't have to take it captive because it doesn't even enter. So there's a process that he works us through. So there may be a process where I've got to take that thought captive, speak forth the living reality of who I know I am. I'm not useless. I'm fearful and wonderfully made. I'm a son and you speak, and you hear, and your spirit captures, and by faith, somewhere in there, because you're declaring his truth, not your version, not what you think, but his truth, something gets altered. But it is fully possible to demonstrate his life to the fullness, the fullness of God in the church, on the earth, through what we're discussing. I will build my people. Come with me, oh, just 1 John 2, 6. Actually, listen to this. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. The one, 1 John 2, 6, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner that he walked. 
You see, so often what we've done in the church is just thought the power of God was the ministry and the gifts. Have you heard that? That all the power is is to minister in the gifts that I've been given. Once again, that's half an equation. What about the power for our formation? What about the power of God to transform us from the inside and out? Let's just leave that aside. So yes, God gives us his power that we are then able to operate in the gift on our life. He must define that gift, by the way. So there's a whole process of death that needs to happen there as well because there's plenty of people out there with their gift and they're defining their gift. That's how you end up with, Lord, Lord, I did X, Y, and Z in your name. And he goes, who are you? Yeah, it was in my name, but it wasn't in my will. And you took a gift that was mine. I put it on you, but you didn't let me define it. So today I say to you in your faith, I actually don't know who you are. I don't recognize me in you. So there is a way in which that gift must be used and it's defined by the Father, but he also gives us his power for our formation, the formation of Christ in us. That's what the Beatitudes are all about. They're not an external position, they're an internal position of a person who's carrying something in them of structures, construction work within them. Okay, so Paul said in Galatians 4.19, he says, I'm in labor again. The guy was constantly in labor. What? To birth out of him that the church would come into what he's discussing. I'm constantly, I'm in labor again so the Christ can be formed in you. It's slightly possibly, it might not be another message that we've been soaked in in Christianity because pretty much it's all been about get a power, get your gift and let's go. And this message has it's got lost, but it's fully there. It's a, it's, a, it's a whole different, it's the other side of the coin, but it can almost appear like it's a brand new message because all we've done is preach one side for so long that we've lost the other side. You wonder why we struggle. You wonder why that we get offended when people come to us and don't do what we say or someone has a go. You can be completely in the right. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. He says, how are you going to respond? See, if you come into a revelation, a position of grace within you, have I done that work in you? Because otherwise a root of bitterness can come into your heart. And as a root of bitterness comes into your heart, you know what you do? You start telling everybody. You start spewing on everybody. You start telling them lies. And they start believing lies. Why? Because they don't go to the source and find out either. But they just start lying. And you believe the lie and the enemy grabs it and goes, this is awesome. Let me mess the church up with this thing. If I can get a number of people believe in this and they start telling everyone, they start, you know, it's Chinese whispers. Now the time you're nine people down. I was told I bought the rock for four and a half million dollars. Oh, well, that's what I asked. I mean, that's, that's a funny side of thing, isn't it? But you know, there is just as vile things going on, discussions, and people believe it. Why do you think the Bible says go to your brother? Will we do it? Will we? My experience is most people don't. Most people don't go, don't get it sorted out, and it continues to break the church apart. And yet what would it look like if we actually all were obedient to the word and did it his way? Not just in this area, in every area. See, once again, he paints a reality of the church Oof, man, 
the demonstration of his life to every single person in this room, that's a bright light. That's a community that you can't find on the earth. That's a people who genuinely and authentically have left everything, have turned, the word's called repent, continuously, and moved towards another reality. Arm in arm, locked in place. Love that covers. Grace that covers and believes in to become. Even if we never make the goal, it's not about that. It's about the journey and the process that we're on. And have him bring people. Bring people. Because the light is so bright in the Spirit, He sees a community, and so He brings. The Lord added to their number. The Lord was the one that grabbed people and said, come into this, because there's me here. But it's proactive. It's a proactive position. Christianity is a proactive thing. It's not a reactive. It's a proactive. There's nothing that we can just... Now hear me, we're called to rest, but that's not apathy. Rest is not... You know, we, we need to sleep, and there's a physical rest, and, and I go to bed and I have a good night's sleep. But that's not what it's talking about when it talks about rest. It's a position in Him. And so you're able to rest and live from it. It's a position of righteousness in him. So your decisions are based around the rest, the Christ in you. So when whatever comes at you, you're able to rest in it. I'm resting in Christ. Yeah, that's pretty vile or that's unworthy or that's uncalled for. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to let that get in me because then I'm out of rest. Now I'm probably going to get angry. And now I'm probably going to demonstrate something that is me. And that's going to break and rip apart everything that God's trying to build. So Father, right now I submit to that. If there's not yet a work in me that can overcome it just innately and naturally, I submit to it. I don't give it time to get in me and help me with it. And we are all waiting for this church to be produced, aren't we? And so is the world. And this is what he's doing here. It's what he wants to do in all of us. But once again, we've left everything. You've got to define it, Lord. And there's a man called Stephen I'm going to just read this and then we'll wrap this. And this man is able and capable to demonstrate what I'm talking about. So come with me to Acts 7. We've mentioned this a number of times and some of you may have gone and had a look at it. Acts, Acts 7, sorry, 54. Stephen put to death. Now when they heard this, because he'd just been speaking the truth, 
the truth gets you killed. Signs and wonders don't. Giving out food doesn't. But people of the truth and who declare truth, the truth for what it is, not a version of it, they get in trouble in a good way. And you and I have been called to be voices of truth. So when you're a voice of truth, you can expect persecution. Yeah? Being a follower of Jesus means you will be persecuted by the world and by people in right sitting beside you. Whether we can handle that or not. That's the truth. Because the flesh reviles against the truth. That's why we have to be people of spirit. Because in the spirit there is no offence. But when you're in the flesh, there's plenty of offence. So when you're in the spirit, when someone says something that's completely wrong, you still don't get offended. Why? Because the spirit comes out. Can you hear what I'm saying? So here's a man who is speaking truth to our religious system. Not the Romans, to Jews, who are supposed to be the people of truth. But they got lost along the way. So here he is. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being, you've got to hear these two things, full of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God. He saw, he had faith. The Bible says that uh, Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. His faith is sight in the Spirit. So he's full of God and he can see. And Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. They're a little bit ticked off. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's interesting, eh? So Saul is right there. Well, I thought he was the great apostle. Well, he became it. Why? Because he had a revelation of the Son in him. But at this point, he hasn't had that, and he's telling, he's, he's going, this is awesome. Let's kill him. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, not a wimpy voice, not a whisper. He cries out with a loud voice. I reckon so they can hear. They're going to hear grace. They're going to hear love. Can you hear? Can you hear what I'm about to say? Because you're stoning me to death. But it's okay. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. How do you say that when you're being stoned to death? It's not a quick death. It's not like someone comes and puts a gun to your head or does something, it's a stoning. Bang! Bang! And the man goes, Lord! He screams it out so they can hear. Hopefully, can they hear? 
in the Spirit. Can you hear what He's saying today? Can you hear what He's communicating to you and I? Lord! And He utters the words of Jesus pretty much Himself. Why? Because He's full of something. And it ain't Himself. It's someone. And you know what amazes me? Is he an apostle? Is he a prophet? Is he a teacher? Is he a pastor? Is he evangelist? What was his role in the community? Laying tables. Feeding people. Serving people. Why is it in there? Why does it even tell you that? See, God does nothing but excellent. He puts all this detail in to get us thinking, to go, man, he's not a master apostle. He's not a prophet. He's not a music leader. He hasn't arrived. He's not a senior leader. He's not an elder. He's not all the things that a religious system may want to look to. Are you a prophet? Are you Elijah? Are you others, John the Baptist? No, I'm a nobody, but I'm a somebody who knows someone. And I'm a voice. And I'm a voice of truth. And I declare this. Why? Because the Christ lived in me. I was baptized in my mother's womb before I even turned out. Figure that one out. <laughs> full of it before I even entered. Woohoo! I came out full of it. Why do you think he wore clothes and ate honey and all that crazy stuff? He was nothing of the world, but he was of another reality, demonstrating something. He said, one is coming. One is coming. I make way. I burst forth through all the hardened ground in the spirit. I burst forth. I declare a reality. Got his head cut off, by the way. Everything to follow him. Hopefully none of us will have that, but you may be called to. But you know what? We will have it. In the spirit, in the here. See, it's easy. I actually reckon, this is my perspective, I reckon it's easier to get your head cut off than it is to live 50 years and be persecuted by those around you that say they love you and say they walk with you. It's easier to end it now because why? You're going to glory. Take me now. It's harder to feel the sense of being alone. It's harder to have people say one thing and do the opposite and say X, Y, Z about you and not have to defend yourself. Trust me, it's harder to live in that reality and to be that martyr. But yet we think it's just about a physical death. And this is what we're all called to experience. He said, if you're going to live godly, you will be persecuted. You'll be persecuted by the person beside you, behind you, around you. And we're not supposed to be. But guess what? You will be. And you're to love. And you're to love. And you're to love. And you're to continue to pour out love. And you're to say, come walk with me. Walk with me. And when they say, nah, 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 you just continue to love. And then you pray. And then you pray. And you hope. And you hope. And you hope. And you pray. And you hope. And you love. And you love. And you hope that that just breaks something here. And all of a sudden, there's a breaking and a yes. See, can we hang around that long to see it? Can we hang around that long to see that happen for someone else? That's the church. The demonstration of the life of Christ in us, through us. Why? Because we've had a revealed position of Him, a filling of Him, 
because we're seeking him with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. He's wooing us. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 16 that he looks to and fro for a people that want him. He looks for a wholehearted. He says, Caleb, you're of a different spirit. Joshua, you're of a different spirit. When you went into the land, you see it differently to how everyone else saw it. You came back with the true report, not the negative one. You came back with why we can, not why we shouldn't. But they're big, and those things are massive. Yeah, and all things are possible with me. So whatever you're facing today, whatever it is, all things are possible with him. See, it's how we see it. Even if your life is at stake, and even if you were to die, can your eyes be fixed on him so much that you're set apart from that because you realize this is going to do a work in me and prepare me for something greater than what I'm even here? Because it's not about here. And here's a man that God writes in his word to demonstrate he's not an apostle, he's not a prophet, he's not from the who's who of the who's who of Christianity, he's just a guy that was asked to do the tables. You know, if you're going to serve him, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of his fire and his power. To be on the door, you've got to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of power. To be in the cafe, to clean toilets, to get up here and speak, to go, you've got to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of power. Why? Because it's the demonstration of God in us and it's what a church and a world needs to see. And it is fully, fully, everyone say fully. Fully possible in Him. And He says, I've put you together I've put you together because you can't do it on your own. So I give you this gift, that 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 gift, all of the same spirit, different gifts. That gift, that gift. Why? To form the oneness. It's called the body of Christ. It's called the sons that are waiting to be revealed. But if those gifts are off doing their own thing, if those gifts are off living for self, if those gifts are like over there, guess what happens? You never see the body of Christ. You see it in little smurges and little scatters and you see individuals able to demonstrate it because the individual has signed up for leaving everything. But on a whole, you can't see a body. You see this counterfeit, uh, fake demonstration of it when everyone turns up and does something goes away, but there's never the substance of it. And when it all gets too hard, everybody scatters. Sounds like the disciples, doesn't it? When it all got too hard, they all scattered. But see, his love is all encompassing his love, and he says, you need to go to an upper room. I saw that, I knew you'd be like that, and something's coming of me that's going to baptize you in me, and you won't scatter when it gets hard. In fact, you'll go to the cross. You'll live a life. You'll demonstrate me on the earth. Peter goes from being this man that denies to standing up in front of people and declaring the truth. And 3,000 Jews get radically saved like that in one half. But 3,000 people added to this community. Why? Because a man wants being looking after self to being a follower. But he didn't choose it. What did he do? He was obedient to being in a place at a particular time and waiting. That's what he was called to do. Go to the upper room and wait and be in a posture of waiting. There's so much to unpack about waiting because we think it's just like waiting for a bus. When it doesn't come, we get another one. No, no. This is can you be in rest and posture yourself and wait 
the almighty presence of God to come, even if that's 24 hours, one week, a year in this position. Hear what I'm saying? You won't literally be in this position, but this is the heartbeat of someone who waits as they go about their day. And then heaven comes. It turns up. And he breathes. All of a sudden, what wasn't there is there, and there is life. It starts finding yourself walking in this way, and you're going, that was not me, but I know it is me, and something has changed. And this is what happened to Paul. You see, the great apostle was once the greatest murderer. You stop and think about that. The greatest apostle was the greatest murderer. And God called him, apprehended him, arrested him, picked him up, come here, realigned through the power of the Spirit and his fire, and sent him. We're not all going to be Paul's, but we are called to be a sent people. We're not all going to be Paul's, but we are called to be selfless. We're not all Paul's, but we're called to be sacrificial. We're not all Paul's, but we're called to be set apart. Firstly, as one body. So the challenge is this to us all, are we prepared to leave everything to see the work of God formed in us as a body? Or are we just going to live individual lives? The choice is ours, because ultimately, as an individual, you can say yes, and you will partake of what he has for you in the future, even though no one else does. So just because you say, just because you say yes, and maybe everyone else says no, doesn't mean you won't receive your reward. You don't do it because you're getting a reward, you do it because you love him. It's the motivation for this, is because you love him, because you know him. So for some of us today, maybe a lot of us, it's going to be just a step of obedience. It's going to be a raw step to go, I want to be part of a community where I'm laying my life down to see that community established. Not services, not groups, not meetings, the people of God. So with what God has given me, because remember, nothing, nothing, I've been done, I'm nothing, I'm empty. What he's given me, I'm going to serve you with it. And you're going to serve Vera with it. And Vera's going to serve, and we're going to go. And then this move of the Spirit will come and start to transform us into the thing that we are called to be, we are to omega, and become. And there is plenty of work that still needs to be done in me. He gives us snippets. Acts, we see a snippet. See, at its, at its inception, there was this church. And religion, man, got in the way at about 350 AD. And it still sits on the throne. But God is looking. He's wanting to birth it. He's birthing it, wanting to birth it. We've left everything. He says, that's okay. 
because you're about to receive me. Amen. So Father, I just pray again, Lord, this morning, I thank you for what you are declaring. I thank you that there's a hunger in here to hear. I thank you, Lord, that the soil is good. And I thank you, Lord, that seeds are going down deep. And there is a reality that you are doing in us and will continue to do. So, Father, as we hear this reality and as we want to move towards it, as you see humility in our hearts, as you see hunger in our hearts, if it's not there, Lord, we pray you bring it. We surrender and acknowledge where we're at today. Father, we want to be part of a people because the church is your ecclesia and you're building your people who are fully able and fully capable to demonstrate, be the vessel, the ambassador, ambassadors that represent the kingdom of God on the earth now. Now, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.